0: Coronavirus has been honestly a blessing for missionary work. Like we've been busier than we've ever been. Like we've found more people than we've ever found. I am so grateful that Heavenly Father taught me to have faith in that, and to have faith in His plan and His power, because He can work through a pandemic.
1: This is Sango Glimpse, where we get to know our Sango Ward sisters and catch a glimpse of the love our Heavenly Father and Savior have for each of us. I'm Jenny Devlin, and today I'm chatting with Sister Gee, Sister Lewis, and Sister Woodhouse, who are our sister missionaries of our ward. Go back just a little bit and explain kind of where you guys are from and what got you to this point.
0: I can can start. Awesome. Um, So I'm, this is Sister Woodhouse speaking. (laughs) So I lived in Provo, Utah
2: until I was 12, and then I moved to American Fork, Utah. Awesome. And
1: Sister Lewis, where are you from?
2: I grew up in West Valley City, Utah. I moved out to Riverton, Utah, and spent about six months there before coming out on my mission.
1: Very cool. And Sister Gi?
2: I'm from Springville,
1: Utah. and i have got there. some Utah girls. Keep going. Yeah, pretty much.
2: i <laughs> from Springville, Utah. I've lived there pretty much my whole life, except for a year that my family was in Germany. And then I'm out here for my mission.
1: Very cool. I'm curious if there is a specific moment or maybe just over the course of time that led you to have a desire to serve a Mission?
2: I really did not want to serve a Mission. (laughs) I was always very happy to to be a girl because that meant I didn't have to go, right? (laughs) Um, But then, you know, I got older, I graduated high school, I was in college and then I got my associate's degree. I was just working and like, wasn't doing much else. I wasn't dating anyone. And there were some things that I wanted to fix in my life Um, that I knew I needed God to help me do it, and God's answer to that prayer was go on a mission, (laughs) and I really, really didn't want to, but I, so I spent some time going back and forth (laughs) between me and God, saying, no, I don't want to, and he's saying, yes, this is what you need to do, until I finally, I call it, I gave in, (laughs) and, and I went out, and it's the best decision I've ever made. So, I was like Sister Lewis, I never really thought that I would want to serve a mission, But when I started BYU, uh, I was around a whole bunch of returned missionaries and I was like, oh, maybe this is something I would like to do. And I had a professor who said like, oh, take a question to conference. So I said, okay, um, should I serve a mission? And in the first session, I got an answer. But I was like, you know what? I would like some more confirmation, Heavenly Father, please can I have a second answer and then that evening in the women's session the last song was we'll bring the world his truth and when they started singing the chorus my mind kind of skipped ahead to the last sentence which is and we will be the Lord's missionaries to bring the world his truth I like that was my answer like having that undeniable confirmation really sustained me to actually get me out into the field um so my grandpa a patriarch
0: so and all of my older cousins have all sort of missions like all the girls and all the boys so it's kind of like of course like i have to go on a mission
2: you gotta do it
0: i graduated high school and i was was such a little snot and i was like i don't know if any of this is true and so i just stopped going (laughs) my like year of college i like did not go to church at all and i was so miserable and i hated it And so in January, I made a New Year's resolution that I would, like, go to church, and then I would read my scriptures. And I had done it, like, two weeks. So I had been to church twice, and I was at a friend's farewell, and I just had this thought that I should serve a mission, and I was like, that is crazy. I'm
1: just, I don't even know. (laughs) But um, it just kept coming, and so I was like, fine. (laughs) And I just did it. Thank you for sharing that. I know that sometimes that can be a very personal experience, and I think that we all can learn from each other's spiritual experiences. So thank oh, yeah. you. so how long have all of you been out here in the field? I've been out 14 months. Fourteen, months. And then I've
2: been out, it'll be 10 months this Sunday.
1: Okay.
2: I've been out almost
1: five months. Okay. So I was curious about that because I was wondering at what point during this whole coronavirus thing, you, like, are you deciding to go once coronavirus is hit, or are you, like, already out there? Because, it I mean, what are we at, eight months now that yeah,
2: it's so been I a like thing? Oh, yeah. So,
1: Sister Lewis and Sister Woodhouse, you left, and then it kind of hit, right? Yeah. And Sister Gee, you made the choice to come, even though this crazy world. Did you already have your mission call when um, coronavirus
2: hit, or...? I got my call on March tenth. So like right as things were starting to shut down and so like I had the choice to come back to come back out, but everything had just lined up
1: so nicely for me to come and I was like, I know I need to come and I've waited long enough already. So Right, might as well just do it. I know you guys are young, but I know that you know a lot too. So I'm curious if you have any advice for people who are listening maybe spiritual advice, or maybe something you've learned throughout your life.
0: One of the reasons why I stopped going to church is um, one of my friends died in high school. And um, I'm from Utah, so very religious. And he was in a car accident and it was at a dance. And so everyone left the dance and we all prayed for him. And we all fasted for a week. And I was like, I have so much faith. Like there's no way he's not gonna be healed because I have so much faith. And that was like my understanding of faith then. And so then when he wasn't healed, it was, like, earth-shattering, and I was like, nope, I'm dead. (laughs) I can't do this anymore. And so what I've learned, like, since then, that point in my life where I was, like, God's not real and he doesn't care. And now is so much. Because I think what faith really is is not that, like, God can heal us until he will. It's that he can, and if he does or not, it's up to him, but I have to trust him anyway. And so I think that's like the biggest advice that I can give is to just trust God. Because we may not have all the answers, and we don't. (laughs) Like I still don't know why he had to leave so early, but I do know that it was right, and I do know that it was God's timing, and I do trust that God will figure it all out in the end. And so that's what I've learned, and that's the advice that I have, is to just trust God, even through that hard time. That pain is a lot of real hard pain that doesn't really go away. But I think when we turn it over to God when we turn it over to Jesus Christ, it gets like it's not taken away, but it gets eased, you know, where you can breathe again, because I think for a while it's hard to breathe.
2: I think my probably biggest piece of advice is it kind of goes along with Sister Woodhouse's: is have courage along with your faith and go for it. Like even if you're scared, even if you have no idea what's going to happen next, if you know this is the right step, then go for it because that's, excuse me, that's something that's changed me completely, because before I made that decision to leave, I was the shyest person in the world, <laughs> like, I didn't like talking to people, I didn't like social events, and, like, I didn't do anything, and so coming out of a mission where the whole purpose of it is to talk to people about religion and make friends, and, like, it was terrifying, but I knew that was what God wanted. And so when I stepped forward and I took that leap of faith, uh, I allowed God to work in me and change me into something that I had no idea I could become. And now I'm so much more happier with how I've become because I had that trust and that faith in God to go forward, even though I was scared and nervous or didn't think I would be able to do it. And I think that's so true in all these our life situations. We're not always sure uh, what's going to happen next. But if we can have faith and trust in God and move forward, then he's going to make sure that what happens next is right for us. And it's going to change us into something so much more beautiful and better than we could ever imagine. I love those. Those are great thoughts.
1: Um, Sister Guy, do you have anything you want to add as well?
2: Something I've been thinking a lot about lately is prayer and how important it is as we turn to the Lord and as we like involve him in our lives which we do through prayer, he's able to direct us because trying to walk our own way, like it's not really going to work because God knows what's best for us and he's going to lead us there as we turn to him and as we put our trust in him. Like it helps us to become our best selves because that's what God wants for us is for us to be able to become more
1: like him and his son. And um, My intention is to ask everybody about their conversion story. I'm curious if there's a time that you said, yep, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going to be all in this gospel and go for it.
0: I think mine honestly happened like on my, on my mission. Because like I said, I just barely started going back to church when I came out. I hadn't even, I never read the Book of Mormon. <laughs> so I started reading the Book of Mormon in the MTC and then I finished it, I think my third week in the field. And I remember it was in my personal study, and my companion was sitting there. And I got to like the last page, where it's like, "You gotta pray and ask." And I was like, "Okay." And then I like looked at my companion, and I was like, "I don't want to do it with her in the room, because what if it's wrong? And what if I don't know if it's all true?" So I remember I went into our bathroom, and I was in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and our neighbors like smoked weed really. Fast. So, I like flipped on the fan and I like sprayed an air freshener because it would come in through the vent. And then I like kneeled down and I asked God if the Book of Mormon was true. And I was expecting like this big, like getting smited a little bit or like, I don't know, spiritual hit with bricks. But instead, I just got this like little thought that was like, you already know it is. And I was like, yeah, I do. (laughs) And then I think like that was enough to like sustain me until I really figured it out. And I think I finally figured out that, like, yes, I'm all in, and this is what I want. Around, like, six months in my mission, I think was when I finally, like, it all clicked. And I was like, yes, I understand, and this is really good.
1: Like, I had a testimony, but I don't think I was truly really converted until six months in. I was interested asking that question, what, what you all would say, because I think a lot of people who serve missions would say during the mission. Sister Lewis, do you have anything to add about your conversion?
2: I don't know if I could point to a super specific time in my life. I feel like because I grew up in an LDS family and I've always just kind of felt in my heart that it was true. Um, I would say that was probably just shortly after I made the decision to come out on a mission, uh, that I was struggling with some things and I just really needed to feel Jesus, the Savior in my life. And I remember, I think it was Easter Sunday, just taking the sacrament and uh, there's a girl who spoke who uh, she said that like that sacrament was like the first time she had taken the sacrament in months as I took it I just like I felt Christ's love for me just like pour over me And like I knew that he was aware of me and that he loved me and that he wanted me to do what I was doing and that I was on the right path and that everything that I knew and treasured was was correct it was Uh, what he wanted me to do for my life. So, that was probably, yeah, the biggest moment
1: in my life that I can think of. I am curious if you would like to share one of the best things that's happened in your life and one of, one of, a a difficult trial that you've had to go through and kind of what you've learned from that.
2: I've got one. I don't know how much it counts because I don't really remember it. It's just a story I've been told. I was born like three months early and I was on a ventilator for four months. And my family, they had fast, and I had my name like on the prayer rolls. At one point, the doctors suggested surgery on me that would involve like cutting a hole in my stomach and in my throat because I kept pulling out the tube. And my family was like, oh no. It would help but it would also like have long-lasting impacts. Right. right. We had like a huge family fast and it worked. I was off like I got off the ventilator and I was able to breathe by myself even though all the other times that I pulled out the cord I like started changing colors because I couldn't breathe but then like after they did that fast I pulled out the cord and I stayed pink because I was able to breathe and I had a huge huge at swimming, at fasting, and that God is a God of miracles, and that He sees our sacrifices and our efforts, and he, he accepts them, and He is grateful for every effort we make. Um,
0: I'll share like, one of the best experiences of my life, my first like
1: baptism
2: on my mission.
1: Do you have a time when maybe a specific prayer was answered for you? I know we talked about Sister Gee, the fasting and prayer for you when you're an infant.
0: So on so in my first month on my mission I hurt my hand really bad. They had me try a lot of different things to avoid surgery and I did physical therapy and like seven months later I was not healed and I still wasn't using my hand and then coronavirus happened and we moved everything to our phones and like texting and all these things. And I was like, I literally can't use my hands. And so I remember I was like praying and I was like, Holy Father, I just wanna go home. I don't wanna be out here in coronavirus. I don't wanna have surgery by myself, you know, on my mission and I don't even know if I can have surgery. And I just was like, I don't think I can do it. And then the next day in my personal study, I opened the scriptures and I remember it was Jacob 4, it was a little reality check for me. It says, wherefore, brethren, seek not to counsel the Lord, but to take counsel from his hand. For behold, ye yourselves know that he counseleth in wisdom and in justice and in great mercy all over his works. So I was like, OK, I guess I'll stay. <laughs> and then I was like, able to get surgery, and it wasn't too bad, and it was immediately fixed, and I had full use of my hand again. But it was that like really tender, like, answer that like no like I know what I'm doing I uh, you don't have to worry you're going to be fine this will all work out and it really has like coronavirus has been honestly a blessing for missionary work like we've been busier than we've ever been like we've found more people than we've ever found like last month our mission had 30 baptisms and so like coronavirus really has just been such a big blessing for missionary work and I am so grateful that Heavenly Father taught me to have
1: faith in that and to have faith in his plan and his power because he can work through a pandemic. I love that. And he can fix your hand. With all of us kind of stuck at home, we all have food. Maybe we can't meet one-on-one with each other as much, but I think that through food, people bombed. That is kind of what we do. I was curious if any of you have something that maybe your family makes often that could help us think about the sister missionaries in our own home
2: Cool. My mom makes a uh, no-baked lemon cheesecake. Uh, that has been my favorite for years. She makes it every year for my birthday. And, like, when I came out on my mission, I had my mission, uh, my birthday on my mission this year. And I didn't know how to make it. And so, like, I asked my mom to send me the recipe, and I, made, and I made it myself. And I just love it so much. It's delicious. Like, you don't have to put it in the oven. I always put, like, fresh raspberries or fruit on top. So that's probably something that, yeah, my family makes a lot.
1: Sister Lewis's lemon cheesecake.
2: <laughs> yeah, I have one that my family does. It's like not very specific. It's called Easy Asian Beef. And basically, it's beef ramen. And um, you put in like, you cook it with like half the amount of water. And you cook the noodles and the seasoning packets until all the water is like evaporated. Mm -hmm. And then you cook on green onions and like stir fry beef and then with sesame oil and then cabbage or coleslaw. My family's in coleslaw. And then like mix it all together and my family likes it.
0: Yum. That sounds good. My grandma makes brown sugar spaghetti (laughs) and I know it sounds so weird, but it's so good. Every time you go over, she just makes it. And I made it for them, but there is no recipe. All you need is noodles and then, like, the cheapest spaghetti sauce you can buy. Hunt's traditional is what we use. 98 cents. And you just dump, like, half a bag of brown sugar and salt in there. <laughs> and that is the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, so you do, like, she just will dump, like, she uses a lot of brown sugar. I use way less than her because it kind of gives me a heart attack to see how much she <laughs> put in there. But she just will, like... Dump and then she'll like take a salt shaker and just like dump and then like taste and be like and then she'll dump and then she'll just dump.
1: And that's just how it is. You just gotta throw stuff in like grandma. Is there anything else that you guys can think of that you'd like to add? I'm so excited to
0: meet all you sisters because I've only been Sister G and I have just barely got into the area and we're we're really excited to be here and to work with y'all and we're happy to serve. So if
1: you need any like yard work or anything like that, we love to help. So, how can people get a hold of you if they are looking for help, or if they want to ask you questions spiritually? What, how can they get in contact with you? Easiest way is to call us or text
2: us. Um, okay. We, if we, if we don't answer you right when you call, we will always get back to you later. And so, we really do want to help, and
1: we're just waiting for you to ask. Thank you, Sister Gee, Sister Lewis, and Sister Woodhouse for meeting with me today and giving us a glimpse into what Heavenly Father and our Savior see in you. Printable recipes from this episode will be posted in the show notes, as well as on our Relief Society social media pages. If you feel inspired to be a guest on Sango Glimpse, or you just think it would be a fun experience, send me an email to sangoglimpse at gmail.com. Our chat will be about an hour, from our own homes. And I'll even give you some things to think about before then. See you in the next episode.